0: hello and welcome to witchy wellness radio i'm your host lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist this podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way it is actually leading your way i am very particular about the type of cbd and hemp products that i use there's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes. And make sure you use code Witchy W-I-C-T-H-Y, for 20% off of your purchase. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I am your host, Lauren, and this is a show you learn how your body and emotions are not in the way. They are actually leading the way, and we are talking deeper into that topic today, how it relates to women's health and birthing and being empowered by your choices and knowing what choices you might have that you didn't realize you had. So we're going to be talking with... Courtney Hughes, she is her business is called Luminary Birth, and we're talking all about birth, intuition, spirit babies, women's health care, like I said before. But before we jump in, Courtney is a wife, mother of two, and childbirth educator living in Orange County, California. She is passionate about empowering birthing bodies and encouraging them to tap into their intuition. That's what we're about here on Witchy Wellness. So we're so excited. I can't believe you're the first birthing person on the show. So we are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you. I'm so honored to be here and talk about this topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm too. I'm too. We've had a few episodes on menopause, surprisingly enough, but birthing, we have not yet. So I think this is going to flow perfectly into everything that we're about here today. And I wanted to start off asking you in your own journey, how did you get into this work of helping empower and educate fellow women and birthing bodies to really be inspired and empowered about their choices?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, My journey started probably, I'd say, in high school, and it was in my history class. And I can't tell you what we were learning about, but my history teacher, who was a man, um, he taught us what an episiotomy was. And it was for some like you know, making peace between countries topic. Uh, But he basically explained how when women have babies, they cut them to make it easier for birth. And I was mortified and horrified, went home to tell my mom, you never told me that they did this. What is this episiotomy business? I don't want that. I don't want to have babies. And she just kind of laughed And she said, it's really not that bad. And my mom had two unmedicated births with both myself and my brother, which at the time, um, well, let's say, when did I graduate high school? That was in 2006. So during the time, it was pretty unheard of unmedicated births. And she would always tell me, the part that hurts the most is the shortest. And so having that as my foundation for what I heard about birth, because everything that we hear, we see in the media, TV shows, books, um, birth is always illustrated as this very painful, horrible, terrible thing. I mean, even my history teacher um, teaching a class full of young kids about episiotomies. um, is traumatizing. And so knowing that my mom did it, my mom could do it. And when I would ask her, why did you subject yourself to that? And she said, well, I knew it was what was best for you and I knew I could do it and it wasn't that bad. And so that was my foundation for my mindset going into birth. While I was scared about all that birth brought, Um, I had that foundation so when it came time that I became pregnant with my first uh, baby I knew I needed to learn more about this because my mom knew something right Um, something that was so different from the messaging that we get from society so I took a hypnobirthing class um which I always had to preface when I would tell people in my life that I was taking hypnobirthing. I'm like, I know it sounds woo-woo, but it's not really that (laughs) woo-woo. And along with that, I watched The Business of Being Born, which was produced by Ricky Lake, which is a huge, um, I feel like so many people, like that's their start to their journey uh, through all of this, you know, this birth world, world is watching that documentary. So with a combination of both of those things, I just became obsessed with all things birth and what it means to bring life into this world. And, um, it's all I did listen to birthy podcasts, um, read books, (laughs) watch documentaries. Uh, it became my, my life and, uh, anyone I talked to, I worked birth into any conversation. And so over the years, um, through my experience with the birth of my son in the hospital and then two years later the birth of my daughter at home um, the culmination of both of those experiences just really left me called to help other families learn what their choices were because I grew up going to the doctor the doctor told me what to do and I did what they said and I didn't question it and it wasn't until the veil was lifted and I was kind of shown my power my internal power um, that I really felt like I needed to share that with other people. And I named my business Luminary Birth because of my favorite birthing quote, which is when a woman births her baby, she leaves her body and goes to the stars to collect her baby's soul and they return to Earth together. And that really encompasses for me what birth was. And there's actually studies that have proven that women go into an altered state of consciousness during birth and so I just want women to to feel empowered even if their birth doesn't go the way that they planned it to go they at least made informed decisions and can feel more in control and more empowered and less likely to experience trauma after their birth so that (laughs) long-winded explanation is how um, I came to where I am
0: that's so beautiful. And surprisingly enough, not long winded at all. We've had many guests here. <laughs> I would say perfectly, perfectly winded. And yeah, the, the part about naming your business luminary birth, the altered states of consciousness, it's like, I'm assuming it's like a trance state because you you have to kind of get out of your own way. And for what I know, I watched the business of being born years, years, years ago, but it's like what I've heard from friends and other podcasts I've heard and stuff is the more that you do the inner work and the less that you are scared of this, the less pain. It's that cultural societal perception of the the process is painful and scary. But once we really accept like who we are and and the whole process itself, it seems that that it can be even orgasmic. If yeah, you, will.
1: you know I haven't experienced the orgasm <laughs> myself, but I have heard of people who have but I will definitely say yeah you you hit the nail on the head it's that that fear right you go into the process being afraid and it's that fear tension pain cycle you leave your environment I mean let's look at animals right how do animals birth they go find somewhere quiet and safe to birth their babies and if you know they hear a dog barking they're going to stop labor. They're going to go find somewhere safe to birth their baby. Their body is going to shut down that process. It's the same for us. We leave our homes. We go into hospitals. You know, we're signing forms. We're getting asked all these questions. We're getting cervical exams by strangers. We're we're not people anymore. Um, our space isn't honored. You know, your body shuts down. You're being asked, like heaven forbid you know, your timeline isn't in accordance to what hospital policy is and they start pushing, you know, Pitocin on you or any other intervention, that's not the time for you to be making those decisions. It's going to uh, insert fear into the space, which will lead to tension and will lead to more pain. So 95% of it is a mental game. That's my number one piece of advice uh, for families is to get your mind right first. I like to go a lot of uh, releasing fear, writing down, you know, what are your top three fears regarding this pregnancy, this birth? I want you to write it down, both you and your partner, because your birth team is really important and will determine the success of your birth and how it goes. So releasing that fear, doing that inner work, working on relaxing, relaxing is the next best thing that you can do is just relax, meditate Um, that's what the whole hypno birthing part is, is, uh, I like to explain it to people. If you've ever been driving and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I'm home. How did I get here? You know, 10 minutes went by and it felt like 30 seconds. You're in a state of hypnosis. So that's all, you know, hypno self-hypnosis is, is just practicing that deep relaxation. And the more you practice it, the easier your mind can get there. So allowing yourself to just fully relax and open, because if you think about what has to happen physically, your body has to open. So if you're tense, your body can't open. So just practicing relaxing and kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just letting yourself go and submitting to the process, going down to that basal instinct version of yourself, where, you know, you're not Courtney in 2023, you know, you're Courtney in the 1900s. You're the beginning of humanity, right? And you're just letting yourself go and allowing your body to open to the process and just focus on your breathing. And it's all, you know, you can go through, I tell everyone, you can you can go through anything in 60 seconds, right? If a contraction is 60 seconds long, You just breathe through, ride that wave, breathe through that contraction, and each wave will bring you closer to your baby. So yeah, it is a mind game for sure. And just letting your body take over and do all the work.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming, like you just said, I was about to ask too, it's like, we've been birthing for millennia. You know, we wouldn't be here if this wasn't something natural and safe. And it's really getting back to those primal yes, Uh, I don't know the urges, but energies that like that hypnosis state, like you said, a lot of cultures get into hypnosis states for whatever, you know, medicine ceremonies, whether connecting with the divine, and I'm assuming that birthing is something very similar from that primal sense of getting into that altered state, like you said, letting go, letting your body lead the way, Mm -hmm. because it knows what to do, and I think, for people, I mean, the, pe- the women I work with, myself included, that's why I got into this. The perfectionist wanting to control yeah. <laughs> everything, right? Because that's that's bred from fear. That's that's really really scary. the The words letting go can be a trigger for some people. So, I'm assuming really focusing a lot, maybe even before deciding to, you know. To have children, you know, before getting pregnant, even is probably something that would be very helpful through the whole process to kind of continue even post birth as well.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I am a type A personality, plan everything, control everything. And so that was really hard for me. Yeah. Letting go and allowing whatever was going to happen to happen. It's not easy. And trusting your intuition. You know, in the hospital, it's changing now, but it was very much birth on your back, feet in the stirrups, which is very counterintuitive to the physiology of birth, right? If you think about it in an upright, forward leaning position, like squatting, your gravity's on your side at that point, (laughs) which is a huge help. Um, But just following your instincts, even if you're in your birth class and you think, this is how I want to birth. That might not feel good to you in the moment. There's a lot of positional stuff you can look at around birth and things you can do to create space for baby to make that journey through um, the vaginal canal and the pelvis. But just following your intuition, and that can be hard, you know, the letting go and just saying, you know what, actually laying on my side is what feels right, and just taking that position. Um, It's really helpful. And when you are, you know, a control freak, like a lot of us, that can be really hard because you don't know what to trust. If you should trust your intuition and you're using your thinking brain, I'm like, well, this is what I learned in class. This is what I should do. Um, I myself have learned through my births that I have panic attacks, like during the crowning phase. And it. I have discovered it is because of that need to let go of control. And that's hard for me. And um, it's something I learned about myself after my first birth when I was in the hospital. And I thought it was because of the situation I was in. Um, And I had the on-call doctor, not my OB. So it was someone I didn't trust, and I chalked it up to that. But when I was having my second baby at home, and this was the crowning phase, so this is pretty much the height of the intensity and I don't like to say pain, I like to say intense. So it wasn't painful, it was intense, an intense sensation. And um, I couldn't breathe and I was like hyperventilating. And it's funny because I talked to myself through the panic attack. I was like, you're okay, you're safe. Your baby's almost here, just breathe, just breathe. And everyone in the room was just like amazed that I was talking myself through a panic attack. But with that, I realized that need to let go of the control that height of intensity creates panic attacks in me so you know even it's good to prepare before birth but sometimes you don't get it quite right until you go through it so it's good to like kind of debrief afterwards and really reflect on on what you were going through and what you were feeling
0: yeah not to judge ourselves either for the panic attack or the negative thoughts or deciding to do something differently than we thought we were going to and I think it applies to any area of life is that you learn to trust ourselves but if the the quote-unquote intense or bad situations might appear to just learn to take that responsibility and not blame ourselves for not being perfect that's right, right. what's been coming to my life, not in the birthing world, but just that in general. And it, yeah. it, it's so, yeah. it, it all ties. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: So the, talking about, you know, being really empowered by our own intuition, letting go. I know that's one of your big proponents is educating people on their own choices instead of, you know, you, I think it's, I think Dr. Christian Northrup had this quote women's big women's health doctor you know the doctors might have this body of wisdom but you have wisdom of your own body Uh so it's about balancing you know having this people of expertise but also listening and what's what's right for you so I'd love to hear you know how do you approach empowering these women and men and these couples to be able to balance those right yeah definitely
1: so I have a few kind of tips that I give my students when we're learning is you know we can't cover every single thing in class but if they take home at least this when they're proposed you know if the doctor says they want to try xyz intervention ask what the benefits and the risks are first right um what's the what's the pros and cons um that way they can understand, you know, what's the purpose of this technique or procedure? Um, what's the risk? Because a lot of times they won't tell you the risk. I mean, even when you go in for an ultrasound, just routine checkup, ultrasounds are act, do actually pose a risk to the baby, but they never tell you that. Are there any alternatives? Is there something else we can do? Can we wait 30 minutes? Or can? is there something else we can try first? And then getting space. What is my intuition telling me? How do I feel about this decision? and just having time to think about it because if you're forced to make these decisions quickly you can't really get in touch with what your intuition is telling you. So it's what are the benefits and risks? Are there alternatives and what is my intuition telling me about this situation? Because your your intuition and even, you know, your mother's intuition if you want to call it that is very powerful. You know, like one of my friends was texting me um that she was pregnant and we were sharing we're both nursing an older child and had a pregnancy and she was like yeah the doctor told me not to breastfeed my baby while I'm pregnant which is something that doctors used to say to expecting women and I told her well how do you feel about that that's kind of my first question I ask friends when they come to me with with birthy things I say well how do you feel about it She was like, well, not good. I wanted to keep, you know, her baby just turned one. She's like, I want to keep breastfeeding because there's a lot of benefits to extended breastfeeding. And I was like, well, if you're open to it, I can share some evidence-based information that's current. Because if there's one thing about healthcare or research in general is it keeps changing. It keeps updating uh, what's current best practices. And your doctor or your OB isn't always up to date on the most current evidence-based information. So she was open to it and I shared some articles with her and she appreciated it. So that's kind of my first question is what is your intuition telling you? And then what does the evidence say? And then you come up with the answer that feels right to you. And if that's, you know, going with what your doctor said and stopping your breastfeeding journey now, that's what you're
0: comfortable with. Make that decision. And I'm thinking... As a recovering control perfectionist, having a birth plan like that seems to be more popular these days. And, yeah. you know, having this plan and balancing those changes in the moment, because I know about myself Think hearing all this and not have had any children thinking, if I'm on the peak of all of this and I, you know, and I'm on kind of that dealing with letting go and something from the plan changes knowing right. myself, I need to be able to work myself through those, that scenario and allow that to change. Cause sometimes that, and my partner, he will tell you that is one of my biggest <laughs> triggers when things change that they're not supposed, you know, the plan changes. Right. Oh no, heaven yep. forbid. <laughs> yeah. So what are some, I guess, what? how continuing our conversation really, what mindset but also practical things that maybe we could do in the moment or just preparing ourselves to say this is the plan, but it's not how exact you know detail how it's right. going to go. Yeah.
1: So honestly the birth plan is going to be your list of preferences, right? So it's what communicates to your health team when this happens, this is what I want. And it's really a tool to get you to think about all of these things ahead of time. And not necessarily like a set plan, like this is set in stone, this is happening. And I know with just the terminology birth plan, it leads a lot of people to think, this is the plan, this is how it's gonna go. But just telling all my students ahead of time, it's not gonna go how you plan it. Each birth is unique in its own design and happens the way it's meant to unfold. And you just have to go with the flow, (laughs) which is not easy. But this is a tool to help you know what your preferences are ahead of time so that when it doesn't go according to plan, you already know the evidence on whatever that is, whether it be getting Pitocin or an epidural. You already know the benefits and the risks in your head before you have to make that decision. And planning all of that out ahead of time is going to make you feel more empowered to make decisions.
0: And I'm assuming that visualization part two is really helpful because it might not go exactly how you're visualizing it. But from my point of view, visualizing is more about that feeling. And right. how do you want to feel in this scenario, regardless of what's going on? So how how can we utilize that tool throughout this whole process?
1: Yeah, so with visualization, I go through this whole kind of routine and practice in our classes And I have them first draw a picture of how they visualize their birth. Um, So first they draw it, which is kind of awkward at first. And I ask them, just think about it. Like, what do you wanna see? What do you wanna hear? What do you wanna smell? Um, Think about all of those things and how you wanna feel. And then while they're practicing their relaxation, Um, I recommend some tracks that kind of talk them through kind of like a labor rehearsal. So it kind of talks them through the surges, the contractions and all of that, and just kind of help them get in that, that mental space, but just envisioning their birth, you know, where they're at, are they in a bed? Do they have a birthing tub? Are they on a birthing ball? And just practicing that feeling. And seeing all of it come together, like who is there with you, what feelings do you feel? um visualization is a huge tool, even in sports, you know, just visualizing the ideal outcome that you want, helping it come, you know, helping it come to you
0: yeah it's it's a very, very powerful tool. Our minds don't actually know the difference mm-hmm. between the real life and and visualizing and feeling that in our head. There's been researches done with playing the piano, learning to play the piano, whether you're physically doing it or rehearsing it in your head, learning how to shoot a basketball, they actually measure your brain during those studies. And it it reacts actually more so when you're visualizing the same amount of neurons, because our neurons and our mind, the more we wire, practice it, Uh the neurons and the memory are going to wire together. So that's how positive thinking or law of attraction really works. What well, we focus on growth and that, that visualization really, <laughs> <laughs> that's a tongue cluster, really, really yeah. helps with that. Yeah. And that's
1: why I say practice relaxing, practice that, you know, hypnosis, because it'll be faster for your brain to get there. Because, like you said, it's wiring all those neurons and the pathways to either that positive thinking or, you know, the success in shooting the basketball. <laughs>
0: Exactly, exactly. Um this is a little change in topic, but I know part of the, you know, the the growth we think of birthing a child, sometimes we end up birthing something in a growth in ourselves. And I wanted to to really touch on this topic that's near and dear to a lot of women who I feel like more so have been coming out and are able to speak about, um, miscarriages and spirit babies nowadays than, than we used to. Right. So I would love to hear your perspective on this and, and how we can all learn and love more through all of this. Yeah,
1: definitely. Thank you for asking that question. And I'll first start off with saying, um, something that sparked this in my mind when you first started asking the question is when we Birth our babies, there is kind of, it's not just the birth of the baby, but it's the birth of the mother, right? So it's death to the maiden, birth of the mother. And it's very spiritual. And it is a change. It's a huge change. I mean, research shows you physically change, your brain changes. Um everything about you is going to change and it's never going to go back to the way it was before. So a lot of it is is painful, not just physically but spiritually and emotionally as well because you are learning who this new person is yourself and this new human that you just brought into the world um and with that you know looking at birth more spiritually um I have always told everyone I'm having two kids right I'm having two kids I'm having a boy first and then a girl Ever since I can remember, when I was a kid, this was the plan. And when I met my husband and we talked, he's the kind of guy that's like, I'll have as many babies as I can support. If that's 12, we'll have 12 babies. He comes from a big family. Um, I was an only child until I was 13 and my brother was born. So I've always wanted to have more siblings, but never really did. But two seemed like the perfect number. And we had our second and I was like, okay, our family's complete. But my intuition kept pulling on me that even though two makes sense on paper, um, two is practical. You know, there's two of us. We have two of them. Um, Money-wise, I mean, child care is so astronomically expensive. Our car cannot fit three car seats in it. Um, but my intuition kept telling me, your family is not complete. You have a third baby. And so I read this book called spirit babies by Walter McKitchen. And he talked a lot about how, you know, he starts off talking about how he recognized that he could see spirit babies and the whole realm of spirit babies and your karma and what karma brings to you. And, you know, like reincarnation and the spirits that are drawn to you because of maybe experiences you've had in past lives. So It's not necessarily these are the children or this was the family unit that I had in another life, but maybe they're looking, maybe they were abandoned in another life and they're looking for a family that will just love them for no matter who they are and won't abandon them or whatever it may be, your karma brings you together. And so I read that book and I was like, yeah, I have a spirit baby. And I actually did a psychic reading because I heard him um, talk on another podcast a couple of times. And my grandmother had just passed away. And I was just feeling very raw and just kind of aimless in my spiritual life. And I was like, you know, what, I need to sign up for a reading. And he can he confirmed for me that I didn't even ask the question, but that I have a spirit baby and that they, um, you know, you'll conceive in September. And so I was like, wow, that's that's crazy, but that feels right to me. And, um, so I tell, I I told, you know, a select few about this because, um, I get mocked, you know, in my family because I am such a spiritual person, but, uh, anyway, so I, I told my husband and he just kind of laughed and um, we actually the book goes through kind of this uh, meditation chant that you can do um, kind of like a ritual to get in touch with your spirit baby and communicate with your spirit baby and just that sometimes they need a little reassurance too that they're wanted and uh, it's a contract right so it's between you and the baby and sometimes conception can occur but then Maybe um, this body isn't the right body for the spirit baby. Maybe there's something, you know, they have conditions for their next life that they need fulfilled for their karma. And this body just isn't the right body. And so they leave. But, you know, the spirit doesn't die. Energy can't die. It's still there. So your spirit baby is still there. It's just waiting for the right time or the right body, whatever it may be. And um, recently I did experience a miscarriage. Um, last week, actually, and I have a four-year-old, and he was very excited about this pregnancy and having a baby, and asking all these questions: Can I carry the baby? Can I feed the baby? Can I, can I teach the baby good things? Um, I also have a two-year-old, and she did not care at all about it. But uh, <laughs> my four-year-old was very sweet, and. I did tell him, which was a parenting choice that I made, but I did tell him about the pregnancy and I did tell him about the loss of the pregnancy and he was very sad, Um, but I told him that, you know, while the body may have died or stopped developing, the spirit is still alive and is still here and you might get to meet that baby someday and he was like, oh, okay, great and I asked him how are you feeling and he said I feel good and that kind of threw me off and I was like okay well are you feeling sad no I'm not sad and I said how are you feeling he said I'm happy i was like oh okay because yeah I'm happy because I'm gonna get to meet the baby but just not right now I'll have to wait a little longer and it was just so touching to me and so healing for me as well as you know i I've lost this life that I held within me, even for a short time, but still all the expectation and the the figuring out in my brain, okay, how is this going to work practically to that, you know, excited anticipation for having this life join our family. And while it wasn't in September, (laughs) I was like, eh, May, that's fine. Um, I really believe that it was meant to happen this way to kind of light a fire under us to prepare our lives. um, But also to kind of prepare our hearts. And I feel like I haven't lost that spirit. Like I still feel that spirit with me. So that's been a huge source of comfort. And um, if anyone's interested, I highly recommend checking out that book because it's, uh, it's really interesting. A really interesting topic to learn about.
0: Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your heart I know we talked off air and I said if that you know if it, anything comes too close to home but you are so your heart is so open about all of this and your can like your connection like you said and from my perspective not knowing anything about you in your spiritual life that this experience definitely has strengthened that bond and your own connection with yourself yeah. and, and the higher self so thank you so much for for sharing that with us because I know for me, but so many women listening to this, it's gonna really, really help them through whatever their journey has been to. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. I also of course appreciate anything woo related. You are very welcome <laughs> here. I <laughs> laugh when you said I had to select few of my family, but understand yeah. and that that's about witching wellness here is about owning that side of us it's just yes. a witch to me means a woman who's in her power yes and, and that's exactly what you you teach and I do feel so called to that the the spirit baby concept if you will as well and um a big parenting Dr. Shefali um I don't know if you've heard of her before but she she te- teaches people you know your kid doesn't want to be parented how you wanted to be parented. They want, they, what they want, you know, what they need is a soul and they're not your kids, right? They're, you're bringing this soul into this world to help grow, but you know, they're, they're of you, but they're not you in a way. And I think yeah. the, the spirit baby idea or concept is kind of help strengthening that it's, it's, it's the more spiritual side rather the egoic side of Child, childbirth, and parenting, and all of this as well.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I tell my my I tell my mom, I'm like, you realize you don't have control over people, right? Whether they're one or like 99, if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. And much to their dismay, I mean, if you yeah, that's a whole other topic of breaking you know, generational trauma and cycles and um, choosing to go down a different path and, and giving my kids that space to be that person that they are and the room to, you know, like, for example, letting my daughter climb up this high play structure, but being there to catch her, you know, if she falls, but she's figuring out she, what her own limits are. And um, that can apply to anything in life. It was just what you said. I mean, they're their own person and honoring that and just giving them a safe space to grow into, you know, a beautiful human and hope that they make some big impacts in the world, big or small, you know, but that's what it's all about, but again, we go to that letting go of the control thing.
0: (laughs) Bring it back, bring it back. Um, I've heard before, and I know we we talked about birth, you know, pregnancy, but I guess post-birth, kind oh, of parenting yeah. aspect what I would what that just brought up in my mind is I know some people kind of ask their child even as an infant I'm going to pick you up or can I pick you <laughs> up like asking that permission thing I don't know what you have any thoughts on anything like that but oh, just communicating yeah. with your baby even
1: absolutely yeah your your babies communicate with you um, and a lot of studies are are showing that babies even in the womb understand a lot more than what we Thought that they could or did. And don't be afraid to start that in the womb. You know, start that connection, that communication, um telling your baby what's happening. I'm going to go change your diaper now, or asking them permission to do those things can be really helpful in just easing the process. And it's good for their, you know, brain development and just honoring them as a whole other person. Like I found that whenever I would just go change my baby's diaper she would fight me on it and then I started telling her this is what we're gonna do do you want me to do it now or in five minutes and then she would respond verbally or non-verbally and if we did that if I either did it now or waited the five minutes it went so much better she stopped fighting me I mean granted it didn't happen every single time but I mean I'll take a win when I can get it But also when you started asking that question, it reminded me of something else. We had talked about birth plans. Another plan that is incredibly important is your postpartum plan. It's having a plan for after baby comes because like I touched on before, it's such an extreme transition. And in today's society, we glorify bouncing back, right? You see it all the time on social media. A woman just gave birth four days ago and she's on her peloton right or she's doing a hit class whatever it is and i cringe because you have an internal wound the size of a dinner plate that your body is healing but because it's not seen it's not honored we don't expect you to lay in bed you know for 15 days while it heals but that's exactly what you should do So having a postpartum plan of who's going to care for you, who's going to care for the mother, lay in bed, eat nourishing foods. I mean, Asian, there's a lot of cultures, Asian cultures specifically have really beautiful, um, you know, that 30 day window of time where you're just waited on hand and foot because you're healing, you're bonding with your baby. It's so important. And having experienced postpartum depression myself, there's a lot that you can avoid if you plan for that ahead of time. Just who's going to care for the mother? And putting really realistic expectations on yourself. You don't need to be going and doing laundry. You don't need to be going to the grocery store. I know you miss Target, but you don't need to go. Like stay in bed, please. <laughs> um. So having that postpartum plan is really important too. Who's allowed to come over? When are they allowed to come over? What do you want them to do for you? Because people generally want to be helpful. So give them. You know, it's not come over and hold the baby, right? It's come over and do my laundry, fill, stock my fridge, have a list, whatever it is you want them to do, drop off their meal. People will respond typically pretty well if you give them specific things they can help you with, but it's really important and I encourage all my families and it's more so important to go over all of this with the partner, the support person, because you know, we just birthed a baby. We have all these expectations of ourselves, right? Like this is the kind of mother I want to be. These are all the things I want to do. I mean, I remember with my first, I was up trying to do things around the house because I needed to be that super mom. Um, But with my second, I stayed in bed for five days. Didn't do anything. I stayed around the bed for another five days and around the house for the last five days. So I didn't leave my house for at least 15 days with my second and i healed much quicker
0: amazing and as soon as you said asian cultures i was gonna say you started talking about postpartum plan one of my friends growing up she's korean and as soon as she she had a baby her mom was over there with this huge pot of seaweed (sighs) soup because the uh, the healing properties of this soup and that's like all she ate too but it it really helps i mean coming from a health coaching background like seaweed and yeah. kelp, and all these like um, plants that are really high in chlorophyll are the closest thing chlorophyll is the closest thing to red blood cells on our body it's really helped with yes, purification exactly. and healing mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah they it was, have
1: this whole like process of yeah. this we're like cleansing the blood and then we're replenishing the blood supply right and then uh-huh. we're building nutrients like it's this whole process of using foods yeah. right? heal and oh. i wish that we had more of that
0: here i know i know now <laughs> i'm thinking future birth plans and postpartum plans where i'm like i got we're gonna get this started here yeah. <laughs> so Looking at recipes. recipes yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh well on that note thank you so much Courtney, for coming on today was there anything else on your mind or on your heart that you wanted to share before we start to close the show down Oh, I don't know if you want to ask me that question. <laughs> no, honestly, I
1: think we hit all of the the things that were the most important uh, to me to discuss today, but um, I could really go on and on about birth, So
0: <laughs> Hey, well, we can always have you back another thank time. You. We would love to have you. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Yeah, oh, you're so welcome. And thank you for being with us today, opening your heart in so many ways, because I know that vulnerability is just helps so much that energy and that love ripples out and inspires us all. So thank you. And we close the show out the same way every week. How may we as the listeners is a huge act of gratitude for you, be of service for you in return today. Well, Hmm. that would be,
1: if you know anybody who is postpartum in your life and it doesn't have to be immediate postpartum, but maybe they have a one-year-old. Do something kind for them, you know, send them a Starbucks gift card or bring them some food to eat or just ask them how they're feeling, how they're doing. Because if you actually ask someone with small kids how they're doing, it's probably not great. Um, But just connect with them on a deep level and offer some kind of support. If it's babysitting while they go get a mani-pedi or they go eat a meal alone, and just provide them with support and just let them know they have someone who who cares about them
0: that's so beautiful and it's it's paying it forward too because what you put out into the universe is that support you're going to get your get back to so thank you for that beautiful beautiful wisdom and, and action step for everybody to have today and thank you for coming on it was such an honor to dive deep into empowerment and in the womb with you today so thank, oh, you. thank you
1: thank you so much
0: and remember open up surrender trust and let your body lead the way